Hello and welcome to edition. You're with me, Addie Adewusi. I'm a product manager, mathematician, futurist, artist, creator, tech optimist, and I am talking to you from beautiful, sunny, diverse, up and coming Atlanta, Georgia. So this is the first episode of the podcast. I'm so excited. I love podcasts. I'm an avid listener of tech podcasts, probably watch way too many, but the common thread in all of the podcasts is that the people look the same. We all know this. So it is my duty to add a new, fresh perspective and take on what is going on in tech. So the type of things that we're going to talk about in this podcast, I'm going to talk markets, what's going on in the S&P, what's going on in the NASDAQ, what's going on in crypto. Yes, as a tech optimist, I am I'm not pro or anti-crypto. I am fascinated by crypto. It has captured my interest. I know it's controversial, but I'm all about authenticity here. So yes, we're going to talk crypto. Also, there's always a hot topic in tech every week, like clockwork. So this week, we're going to talk about return to office. In the future, we'll talk about other hot topics. So I will share my opinions, share what companies are doing and what that means for you. So who is this podcast for? This podcast is for pre-executive tech employees. So if you're shooting for the C-suite, this is a podcast for you because I'm going to talk about all the things that I'm doing to prepare myself for the executive level, like what books I'm reading, what conferences I'm going to, what are my networking strategies, all of those things I will be sharing on this podcast. This is also a podcast for tech outsiders. So let's say you don't work in tech, but you are invested in tech, you want to break into tech, and you want to get an idea of what tech people are talking and thinking about, that this is a podcast for you. Disclaimer, I do not represent all tech employees, but this will give you an insight into what I'm thinking about as a tech worker today. Also, obviously, I'm a woman, I'm black. If you are an outsider, if you work in tech and you feel like an outsider because you're part of a minority community, this is also a podcast for you. So hopefully um, you don't feel alone. Uh, I'm walking this journey with you. It's not easy, but I personally love a challenge. So a little bit about me. So I graduated Dartmouth with a bachelor's in mathematics modified with studio art. I know that is a crazy major, but I was committed to majoring in the things that I was truly interested in. And when I it came to start my career, I honestly did not think that I was going to go down the corporate path The art world had completely taken me. I was working as an artist intern and also working for a sculptor who was a professor at Dartmouth 
Um, she has amazing installations. So in my head, I was living the dream. That being said, six months after or five months after I got an opportunity to work in marketing for a tech startup that happened to be in Hanover, New Hampshire, it seemed like an opportunity that I couldn't pass up, even though I had not done any studies on marketing. I hadn't taken one marketing class, but they needed someone with an analytics mindset to assess their marketing spend. So I worked at that startup for a little over a year. I then moved on to working for an e-commerce for a luxury retailer based out of Vermont. And that gave me the perspective of a you know, manufacturing and retail company, but doing a tech role. During that time, I had realized how much student loans I had. I was very aggressively paying off my debt, and part of that for me was starting a consulting firm. I was using the skills that I was learning at work and helping other businesses grow their business through marketing, digital marketing, websites, e-commerce, etc. So I was actually doing so well that I was able to leave my e-commerce manager role at the retail company to work for myself for a year. I also took that as an opportunity to move to Florida because New Hampshire and Vermont are very cold places. So I was working for myself for a year as a consultant. It was going great, but I personally was getting burnt out. So I figured it was a great time to go back to the workplace and see what new skills I could learn. So I joined a Florida company focused on ed tech and worked in marketing automation. That was my first experience in a true marketing automation platform like Marketo and I got really into it and I a little over a year later I was able to get a marketing automation manager position at another startup ShipBob Um, so they're a unicorn now which is pretty cool so I essentially architected ShipBob's marketing automation stack from ground up by myself and I felt really accomplished, but at the same time, it wasn't exactly where I wanted to be. So through Clubhouse, I had been hosting a woman in tech networking room and I met a wonderful woman named Stephanie. We hit it off and became friends and she works at Microsoft. And she found a position for me to apply for at Microsoft. And now I've been at Microsoft for almost a year. Um, I got promoted this month, which is amazing. Very rare to be promoted within your first year, but I love what I do. I love product management. I love working for an iconic tech company. So that's a little bit about me. Okay, so moving on to the hot topic of return to work. So we all have feelings about this. Some of you are super excited about returning to the office. And and let me specify returning to office because we have been working 
this whole time. If some of us more than we've ever worked in our lives. So I, I have a problem with the phrase return to work, but it's used so frequently that it's in my vocabulary. So I'm going to get it out. So return to the office. So pros. Pros to return to the office is networking. So in some ways, it's really easy to network virtually. I'm very, I frequently reach out for one-on-ones with people at the company that I probably may not have met if I was in the office in person. As I mentioned before, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. Microsoft is headquartered in the Seattle area. So there are a lot of people that I wouldn't bump into at the office. That being said, there's no comparison to a casual, you know, you're both making coffee, coffee at the same time and you, you make a new friend and that friend turns out to be someone in a, with a hiring capacity in a leadership role. Why that, that's not going to happen on teams. It's going to be very intentional networking virtually, whereas it's more passive networking remotely or back in the office. Two, also, if you want to progress in your career because of the natural networking, it just may be more likely to happen in the office. So this assumes that where you're in a hybrid workplace, which most tech companies are adopting this hybrid model. Sometimes you go to the office, sometimes you stay at home, roughly three days in the office, two days at home, somewhere, something around that. If there are people in the office seeing each other every day and you're a thousand miles away from the headquarters working from your home office, yes, of course you could be promoted but to get to the executive level, a lot of people need to believe in you. So I do find working from home isolating in terms of I interact with my team and my team only, and I have to go out of my way to connect with people at other teams. It would happen by default in the office. So I understand some of you moved far away. You're not excited about the commute. Uh, maybe you relocated states entirely. Unfortunately, there's going to be a decision that you make. If you, if you want to stay remote, I would recommend working for a remote company. I don't recommend anyone work remotely for a hybrid workplace. I would go to the office three days a week and stay home two days a week if you want to reach that executive level in your career. Different companies have different policies and people are saying, oh, talent is going to be lost to companies who are embracing full remote. I disagree. There are these offices, these companies have amazing perks in their offices. For example, free food, massages, dry cleaning, car wash. There is a reason you there, you can save a lot of money going to the office by, you know, eating office meals that could maybe counteract the, the money that you spend driving to the office. And also the workplace is going to be the workplace and your life 
is your life, right? So based on the decisions that you make for your life, you can't expect the whole world to bend in your direction. Companies have the right to ask for what they want from their employees. And by choosing to work there, you're agreeing with the policy. So I encourage anyone who's unhappy with their company's work from home policy to get out there with your resume, start interviewing, because it just may not be the right fit for you. Okay, so next hot topic, let's talk about what's going on in the stock market. Stocks, especially tech stocks, have been tanking. And some of us have a lot of our net worth tied up in company stock. So what would you do if all of a sudden your compensation was cut in half because of your company stock not doing well? So for me, I'm a long-term investor. The issue is people aren't always long-term employees. So maybe if you were planning to leave this year and your stock is at an, you know, an all-time low, it may affect when you plan on making your next career move. Again, it's your decision, it's your choice, it's it's your money, but the stock market is not something that we can control. So you 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 have the 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 price is the price. So either you set the price now or you ch- update your plan to and hope the the stock price rebounds. And that that's the thing about the stock market. You never know when it's going to be a re- when it's going to rebound. It's going to be it could be a year from now. It could be 5 years from now. It could be 10 years from now. So you kind of just have to make that call. But it's not a great situation to be in, but that's the reality of working in tech. We are in a fast-moving industry and things change in a second. Giants can fold in the span of a week. Look what happened to Peloton. So I everyone in tech, especially pre-executives and executives should always be ready to interview um because we never know what's going to happen. Okay, so what am I geeking out about this week? Okay, so this is where I talk crypto. So this week, ApeCoin came out. So if you don't know what ApeCoin is, it is the official cryptocurrency of the Bored Ape Yacht Club. So if you didn't hear the news this week, Bored Ape Yacht Club bought the CryptoPunks and if you don't know what those two things are, please do your research because these things are worth more than some homes. And so after announcing that they bought, that, bought, that Board Ape Yacht Club bought CryptoPunks, they also released an ape coin and they have a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization that holds the ape coin they're the official owners of the ape coin and when i first saw the news i immediately thought this is a coin that i want to buy like even if it's a joke i just want to hold this coin because they're airdropping the coin into the wallets of board ape 
Yacht Club NFT holders. So if this is something that, and board apes are, you know, are hundreds of thousands of dollars. So if this is something that already really wealthy people are going to be receiving for free and is going to be the currency for governance in their DAO and in their ecosystem, I want a little piece of that. So I hadn't bought it yet. And then I read this great newsletter. It's called Milk Road. It's written by Sean Pori, who's one of the hosts of the My First Million podcast. I'm a huge fan of that podcast. And he explained, you know, why he's not buying it, how airdrops always go down in price. And, you know, it's just a a meme coin. It's going to crash, blah, 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 blah. That gave me more incentive to buy it anyway. And yes, in the span, I think I bought it two days ago. It's doubled since. So this is not investment advice at all. I'm absolutely not telling you to buy ApeCoin. I don't see it. I, I, I have no idea what the future holds for ApeCoin. But I tell the story because, one, people don't understand that crypto is a tribal thing. No one really cares about the use case, about the technology. Yes, some people do. But what what makes crypto something that people talk about nonstop on Twitter, in the news, is the tribalism that it brings out. So if you don't own crypto, that's part of your identity. Um, you, you're against crypto, you think it's dumb, like that's you. And then there are people who hold Bitcoin. That is their identity. They believe in all of the principles that Bitcoin believes in. And so with ApeCoin, I was essentially choosing my tribe. Even though I don't have a bored ape yet, I absolutely want a bored ape. Would I buy a bored ape over a home? Maybe, honestly, because, you know, I have flexibility. I don't necessarily want to be stuck in a one location, but I also want to hold an asset and I love everything about Bored Apes. So ApeCoin was a way for me to be a part of that community without spending $125,000 on an ape. So that's what I'm geeked out about right now um, in crypto. I have a feeling that most of the things that I'll be geeked out on in these segments are crypto related, full disclosure. So now as we wind down, let's talk about what I'm reading. So this, this year I started a book club. So far I'm the only one attending, which is fine. And each month there's a book. So the first month, which was January, we read, we meaning me, read Unapologetically Ambitious by Shelley Archambault. So Shelley Archambault is one of the first female tech CEOs, first black female tech CEOs. And what I loved about her book was that she didn't pretend that things just fell into place or things just happened. She was very clear that she had a rigid plan for how she was going to get to CEO 
as soon as she graduated from college. And I love the transparency. I'm so tired of successful people giving platitudes as how they became successful instead of telling the truth. The truth is they wanted to be a billionaire. They wanted to be a CEO and they wanted it so bad that they made a a plan and took action steps towards their plan and told everyone about their plan and made it happen. Like that's the only way in that I see to be successful in this world. You have to know what you want to do, make a plan to get there and find people who can help you get there. And that essentially was the core message of that book. So February, the book was Executive Presence by Sylvia Ann. And it was a very interesting book. It was, she's essentially a, she came from a poor community in the UK and she eventually went to Cambridge. And she, she realized in that moment during her interviews that there was something called executive presence that she did not have. And executive presence to her means essentially I, I say I see executive presence as the phrase dress for the job you want and not the job you have and I would expand that to say act like the role you want not and not the role you have so people are so smart and so qualified and they wonder why they don't get promoted or they don't get that role at their target company but they're just showing up looking scruffy and you know look like they live in their mom's basement so a lot of people can get away with this and specifically men but as a woman I need to convince someone to trust me especially as a black woman so I'm not going to make it any harder by not looking the part so she goes in there's so many more elements of executive presence outside of how you dress how you speak your emotions how you carry yourself there's there's so much to get into and I'll be honest I didn't finish the book but I used Blinkist to listen to all the chapter summaries excellent book that I haven't finished I admit so my last book I actually got the physical copy So the book for March is Cracking the PM Interview. It may be reversed on your end, but so this is an iconic book for product managers um, or people interviewing for product manager roles. So I fell into product manager management. I did not know that I was applying for a product manager position because the title was marketing technologist. But lo and behold, I am a product manager and I want to know what this what it says in this book for how to interview for product management roles because it will give me so much insight as to what people expect of product managers. I can make my own assumptions and of course I, you know, read up on what product management is. Twitter, YouTube, etc. But this is what hiring managers at, you know, large technology companies are looking for. So 
that is the book I'm reading now. I will let you know how it goes. All right. Well, so thank you so much for watching, listening, reading the transcript of edition. I have so much more to discuss. I'm keeping the podcast short. No one needs another hour and a half long podcast in their docket. So I'm keeping it short around 30 minutes or less. And I will look forward to the next episode. Definitely follow me, Addy Adewusi, on Twitter, LinkedIn.com slash in slash Addy Adewusi. If you don't know how to spell it, figure it out. Um, actually, I'm just going to put it on the show notes and likely on the YouTube. So, yes, I also do have a substack for this podcast. It is edition.substack.com. Subscribe. It's not necessarily going to be a newsletter. It's just if something happens and YouTube goes down or podcasts go down, I will still be able to communicate with you all. So thanks again for listening or watching or reading. I'll see you next time. Bye.